And I would tell you this morning, we're going to stop for just this week, and as we're thinking about this all of me component, that we want to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, with all that component, that the foundation for any change for those of us as followers of Jesus starts with our spiritual life. And so this morning, we're going to stop here at this place and talk about what would it look like for us to get spiritually fit? How do we grow in this area of our life? Because if, if you want a different product, if you want a different end result in 2019 than what you had in 2018, then you're going to have to evaluate what got you to where you're at in 2018 so you can do something different in 2019. Does that make sense? So if you want a different product at the end of this year, you're going to have to change something. So if you want a svelte body like this, you're going to have to go to Waterburger at least once a week, okay, and water size it. All right? All right, there you go. How did you sign that? Did you, like, do big O? Okay, all right. If you want a different result, do something different. So that means if you're going to get physically fit, you got to go to the gym. That means you got to know the gym code. you got to get there and you got to do those things, and then you got to stop eating Waterburger or quit going as often and start eating broccoli without cheese, cauliflower, all these different things that you need to take in because what you take in is what you get. It transforms you. If you want to change your finances, that means you're probably going to have to cut up some credit cards or you're going to have to make some changes so that you're not enslaved to, you're not owned by those that are lending you money, but that you can have freedom in that area. Maybe you want some changes in your relationship life. You don't like how those things are working. And sometimes that means you've got to fire some of your friends because they're not really friends. And so you've got to make some difficult decisions along the way if you want different results. So this morning, I want us to think about that. As we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, here Paul, the apostle, is talking to the church at Corinth. Now, the church in Corinth was very much like the American church today. It has a lot of stuff. They were human people. They were struggling with all kinds of different things and different issues. And so Paul takes a moment and he writes two long letters to the church at Corinth. And he's discussing the different issues that the people at the church in Corinth are dealing with. And at some point in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he just kind of stops because there was a question of, Paul, do you even have the authority or do you, what right do you even have to be the one telling us what to do and how to grow in our faith? And Paul kind of stops in Romans or 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and says, well, here's the authority by which I do it. And he talks about being an apostle and how he had a moment where he met with Jesus and this whole thing. And so from that, then he talks about what it looks like for us to fight the good fight for our faith. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we'll dig into this passage just a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 24. It'll be up on the screens if you don't have a Bible. If you don't have one with you but you want to look, there's one there in the pew there in front of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Now, Today, we live in a culture where that's not actually true. Let's be honest, because every kid that signs up for the race, they know now if they get on the line and they sign up, every kid gets a prize because everybody is a participant. right? Even though the fastest kids lining up, they look down and they go, what's the point? That kid's going to get a ribbon just like I'm going to get a ribbon if I'm going to win. And so Paul is kind of reminding us that we're in the race 
for a reason, that we run for a reason. It's not just a participant thing, but we are running for a purpose, and we are pursuing God for a purpose. We're, we're going at it all the way. Run in such a way to get the prize. In other words, with everything you've got, you, you go. And so if you've ever seen the Olympics or seen someone run, and they're in the blocks, and they're going through the whole thing, I mean, their intent is they're looking at the finish line. They have a goal. They're thinking to themselves, I've put in the time. I've put in the effort. I've done the work. I've listened to my coach. I've eaten the right things. I've done all the things. I've made the sacrifices to be here to get in these blocks, and I've just got 10 seconds to get from here to there to win the race. I'm ready to run. And the only reason that they're there, the only reason they've made those sacrifices is so that they can win the prize. And so Paul is equating that with us is that when we get into the blocks, every day that we get up, that we're going to have to make some sacrifices. We're going to have to do some things that no one else is doing. Because to be an Olympic athlete, to achieve at the levels that the highest athletes do, they make sacrifices. They see Whataburger and Krispy Kreme, and they run from them. Am I right? Okay. And so... They make sacrifices. We, as followers of Jesus, people look at us and say, some of the things that you do or don't do are ludicrous. Have you ever heard that? And the reason that you do those, not necessarily that they're even that bad, but they're not the best for you as you pursue Jesus. We're running the race to win a prize. Verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not, that will not last but they do it to get a crown that will last forever. Now, we've moved several times in our life. I don't remember how many times we calculated up, but there was a point where it was like every year, not necessarily moving towns and moving jobs, but just moving apartment to whatever and trying to find that place. And so um, in that, we have accumulated things in life. Any of you all have this as a part of your deal where you have things that you've accumulated and they're in a box and you may or may not even open the box. I know some of you are laughing. You're like, yeah, that's my wife. And you're like, ooh, ooh. And your wife is like, that's my husband, you know. And so I've got one box that has made it from every spot to every spot. And that's my box of memories or whatever you want to call it. It's got medals. It's got trophies. It's got all this stuff. And, and every once in a while, I will drop and it will op- up, open up and someone will go, what is that? And I'll pull it up. And do you know how insignificant those victories feel? Like if you won a hundred-dollar dash, you pull it up and you show this rusted, old, crusty little medal to your kids, and like, hey, back in the 1800s, I was really fast. And they're like, yeah, right, right, right. You're really fast. The refrigerator, Dad. You know that kind of stuff. So I mean, those kind of things. So those are rewards that you've gotten that that don't really last. What Paul is talking about is that we're prepping to run a race, that we will earn rewards that will last for an eternity, that those medals that you hold up, whatever the reward is, is they will shine and they will not be about your glory, but about his glory. So it's a little different perspective for us, is that we're glory and for his. We're going to benefit, but it benefits him and he's going to make. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. And I do not fight like a man beating the air. In other words, he, he, he kind of throws in this ridiculous thing of, of I'm training to win the race. So imagine an Olympic athlete getting prepped up and spending hours upon hours, years upon years, 
training for this moment and all of the lights and everything is there and their country is ruining them on and everybody's excited about this moment and they get in the blocks and they do everything like everyone else and then they get in the blocks and the gun goes off and they stand up like they're going to run like everyone else and then they just stop and then they run a different race and they start backpedaling or they start skipping or someone throws them a jump rope and they start jumping rope all the way down. How ludicrous that would look and how ridiculous that would be for them to waste all that time and effort to do that. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying for us as followers of Jesus, we're about running the race and pursuing him and how sometimes it's ridiculous at how we stray from running the race as we're supposed to run it and that people are looking at us going, what in the world? So why would we prepare to run the race and not run the race that God has set before us? Why would we go and train to be a boxer? Why would we go and do all the stuff that you need to do to become the best boxer you can possibly be and even pretend to put a belt on and you're like, yeah, this is my belt and all that, kind of be that thing, and then never actually get in the ring to box to see if you can actually box? And so Paul is telling us, I want you to fight the fight. I want you to run the race, do the prep work, because if we get in the game as followers of Christ, you're going to have to run the race. If we get in the game as followers of Christ, there's going to be moments where it is tooth and nail fighting for your life, fighting for what you stand for, fighting for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to reveal a little bit about our family. Our family is extremely competitive, extremely competitive. I mean, we are competitive about everything. And so, like, we have board games that are totally destroyed because... Someone thought someone cheated or whatever. I mean, it's just, and it's, it can be a little excessive at times, almost close to it. And so I've trained my children as well that, that's part of the fun of athletics is actually talking to the other person during the game and encouraging them and that kind of thing. And so, I mean, I have the gift of encouragement. I want my kids to have it. And so there was a time in sixth grade, the only time my daughter has had to go to the principal. Those of you that know my daughter, she's very sweet, she's very calm, she's very, she's not, she's very gentle. And this time in sixth grade, there was another young lady who they were playing against and a little thing in PE and sixth grade PE. And I mean, how, you know, and so Lauren apparently scores a goal and this other little girl didn't like it. And Lauren said, I'm coming back and kind of mouthed off a little bit. And so the teacher heard that and sent her to the office for being too competitive. Now listen, I hope that I catch believers being too competitive, pursuing people, pursuing others for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we should be competitive about seeking out and praying over and being prepared in season and out of season so when the moment comes that the Spirit stirs you to share your story, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you will have the competitive edge, the competitive urge that we would call the Holy Spirit to give you the courage to do what you need to do in that moment, to be prepared and to be trained and to be ready for that. Paul tells us to dig deep 
into the race and to be prepared and to run. I want to give you kind of three things from this that I want you to grasp that I believe will help you, not just with your spiritual fitness, but with several areas of your life over this year. And the first thing is this, is that you need to accept responsibility for you. You need to accept responsibility for you. I can go to the gym every single day this year for the rest of the year, and I will benefit, you will not. Everybody agree with that? So if you want the benefits of going to the gym, you can't accept it on my thing that I'm going to go and that you're just going to reap the rewards of that because you're not. If I eat healthy and I work out, I'm going to receive the rewards. Now, every Sunday, every week, or every Sunday I come up here and I teach. So I do not just stand up and teach. What I do throughout the week is I study and I prepare and I read and I do all these different things. In the midst of that preparation, your desire is you're going to benefit a little bit from that, hopefully. That is, you come in here, you're going to reap the rewards of some of the things that I've learned and some of the things that God's taught me and I'm teaching. But in all honesty, I gain even more because I'm doing the work, I'm doing the stuff to prepare to teach you. And so many teachers will tell you, I learn more in teaching than I've ever learned before when they begin teaching a Sunday school class. Even if it's a first grade Sunday school class, people come back and go, hey, Pastor Chris, I've been teaching one-year-olds, and it's been the best thing in the world because I'm studying. And what that shows me is, is that we develop those muscles, we develop those skills when we accept responsibility for our own faith life. And that, yes, this is good, coming on Sunday is good, and it benefits you, but to the greater benefit to you is to take the questions, to take the verses that we talk about here, and then go home and you begin to do some study. You begin to do some of the work so that you can develop those muscles. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard. It's going to be some times where it's a little sore. It hurts a little bit because you're going to have to get up earlier, maybe spend 10, 15 minutes. But it will benefit you to be able to do that, to draw the circle around you. Two plus two equals Four. Good. The young ones know that, okay? So if you're not, consider yourself young. Two plus two equals four. So that still is the same. You, we still reap what we sow, okay? I know we're not necessarily all farmers, but if you put in corn, you're not going to get green beans. Am I right? If you spend more than you save, you're going to have not a lot. You see what I'm saying? I mean, those, those, there's some principles that are here, and so we need to. Some of us would say, call it adulting. We need to accept responsibility for ourselves to be able to own that. Hey, the reason that I'm in some of the stuff that I am is because I'm the sum of my choices. Two plus two equals four. So now I'm here. I need to own that and accept responsibility for that. Now, not everything in our life is our responsibility, but. Many of the things in our life, we've kind of put ourselves there. So draw the circle around ourselves and accept responsibility. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talks about it this way. He says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So literally you were a walking dead person, okay? In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. So the world is not just the cosmos, but the system by which the world lives. So as a follower of Jesus, one of the things that we talk about and that Jesus talked about is that we should see the world upside down from everyone else. And so that we begin to see people, we've, whenever we say yes to Jesus, we put on Jesus glasses or God glasses, and so we begin to see things differently. 
So in the old world order, by the way that we used to do things and the way that we used to think and the way that we used to process is that people were objects for us. But now as a follower of Jesus, I don't see people as objects to benefit me, but objects that God loves and people that God loves and God wants to see benefit and grow. And so the things change and so the order changes. But a dead person is who we used to be and then the way that we used to work. And as Paul says a little bit later, even in the prince of darkness of this time, the one that we used to kind of follow orders by, we lived in that way. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. The kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now working those who are disobedient. Now, I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I'm disobedient. Any of y'all still disobedient? Any of you parents, you still have children that are disobedient? No, your kids are perfect. That's cool. All right. So here's the deal. Even though children are disobedient, we still love them and care for them. There's natural consequences. So our children have a responsibility to do the things that they're supposed to do, right? Okay? So here's one of the things that I want you to grasp, is that you have the freedom now in Christ, okay, to do what you don't want to do. That makes sense? So now that you have freedom in Christ, you have the freedom to not do some certain things. You have the power to do what you want to do. Paul, Paul talks a lot about it. But you also have the freedom, as a person of Christ, you have the freedom to do what you ought. So as a follower of Jesus, you have the freedom to do what you want, but you also have the freedom to do what you ought. Now let's think about it this way. So your children sometimes are disobedient, because this is the deal. Your children, even though they're under your household, they have the freedom to choose if they want to do something. Am I right? Sort of. You're thinking, sort of? Because if your child says, hey, listen, this is the trash, and today's the day that you're supposed to take the trash out, and you don't do it, they have the freedom to choose to not do it. Do they not? They do. And so if they choose not to do it, then what happens? There's consequences. There's natural consequences that the parents... Number one, the one consequence at our house is if someone doesn't put the trash out, then we're going to have extra trash. So it's going to be stinky, okay? So there's those consequences. Then there's going to be consequences from a loving father and a loving mother that doesn't want stinky trash around, is that we're going to have consequences for the child next time to incentivize putting the trash out next time. And so that's the natural thing. And so God has set up the system for his children that even though he loves us and he cares for us, we now have the freedom to choose to not do certain things. So as followers of Jesus, as children, there are times that God asks you to do something and you sense and you know that God wants you to be obedient in doing something and you choose not to. Am I correct? Okay, it's sometimes yes. But the mature thing, not only as an adult, but the mature thing as a Christian is that I also now have the freedom to do things that I ought to do, even when I don't want to do them. And this is the beautiful thing about our relationship with Jesus, is that there are moments where I don't want to do things. There are times where I don't want to get up and to study. I don't want to get up and pray. I don't want to care about my neighbor. I don't want to care about what, because I just don't. 
I know that I'm supposed to, but I don't want to, and I have the freedom to not do that. But as a mature adult, as a mature Christian, the responsibility is here. And draw the circle. So once when I was dead in my sins, walking in my sins, I didn't even have the freedom to choose ought. I could only do what I wanted to do. So here Paul continues on in Ephesians chapter 2. And he says, all of us have lived among them, gratifying the desires of our flesh and following the desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So the first thing is this, is that accept responsibility for the stuff that you're in. Accept the responsibility and own it so you can begin to move forward. The second thing is this, is to remove yourself or to release yourself from your past. Romans 8, 1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So for many of us, we need to release ourselves from our past so that we can move forward because you're being hindered in your race. You're being hindered by moving forward by the things that are weighing you down. If you have said yes to Jesus, then all of your sins, all of your stuff, all of your past, even your future, all those things in your future are released from you. That that is the very point of the cross, on the cross, Jesus took our stuff on him, and it was released from us, so therefore there is now no condemnation for you. Now, our human nature says that we sense that we feel guilty and that we try to earn our salvation. We try to earn God's love because of whatever parenting relationships you've had or whatever. And so you're trying to earn something that you don't have to earn. Release yourself from that so that you can run in freedom. Again, imagine a great athlete getting into the blocks and all of a sudden someone coming and beginning to strap things onto him and putting backpacks and grocery bags and, and all kinds of different stuff and us expecting, how is this guy going to win? How can he run fast? How can he accomplish the task of winning the race? And the ridiculousness of that picture is for us is to think, how many times in a day when you get up do you think about, I've got this, I've got this, and I've got this, and you disqualify yourself from running the race that you haven't even started yet. Because you're buying the lies from the deceiver that you are not qualified enough to run the race for God. Whenever God has says, I am the one that has entered you into the race, not because of anything you've done, not because of the training, but because I am setting you here to run the race on my behalf. Because you can't train enough, you can't do enough to run the race, but I'm placing you here to run the race to the best of your abilities to pursue me to win the race. Because here's part of it. These people are going to look at some of us that are running the race and go, wow, if that person can run the race, because I do maybe know some of their past. But the crowd is looking on and saying, wow, if God can transform that person, and use them, then I want to be, I want to join in, and I want to run that race with them. So must release yourself from the past. And then finally, if you want something different for your 2019, you must live intentionally for today. Today. Today is enough. How many of you know what's going to happen tomorrow? None of you. I mean, we assume... That the alarm's going to go off and we're going to gripe about having to, you know, we're going to snooze or whatever. We're going to go do what we think. And, and we assume what tomorrow will hold, but we don't know. 
So accept responsibility for where we're at, release the past, and live intentionally today. So set your plan for today intentionally. You, you've, you've done part of it. You've said, hey, I'm going to come to church. And so here you are. And so some of you are thinking, man, I wish you would hurry up because I need to get to, to Hanks or I need to get to Las Fuentes or wherever next is through because you've intentionally planned that. So you know that. And so you're, you're moving forward. So intentionally going to the next place. Today is enough. Now, yes, we need to make plans about tomorrow, think about tomorrow and all those different things, but, but live today to its fullest. What does it mean to be intentional in our walk? What good is it for a person to gain the entire world but to, to forfeit their soul? First Timothy 4, 7, a self to be godly. What does it look like to train yourself to be godly? We talk about here as being a disciple of Jesus and to train yourself to be godly is several different things, is spending time in the Word, praying, getting around other people, and, and moving in that direction of what does it look like to be in community. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. James 4, 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. One of the things that I've learned over the years is there's moments where I don't really want to do what God wants me to do. And maybe you've had those moments or not. And so in those moments where God's talking to me and I'm not quite ready to be obedient, I'm not quite ready to hear whenever he's talking to me and I'm not ready for that, I have a natural tendency to kind of turn because the the, the thing that he's talking to me about is is here. And so I'm, we're, we're talking about it, we're discussing it. And so for me to not deal with it, I just kind of turn myself just enough so kind of put myself, put it out of my, my rear, put it in my rear view mirror, not in my front view mirror so I can not really deal with it. And God has this unique way of every time I've kind of turned and try to remove myself from it, he just kind of keeps himself in that, that deal that he's dealing with and keeps it in my peripheral vision so he never relinquishes it. And this thing of God continually pursues and continually moves after, and he doesn't want me to just let it go, and so I think that I'm going to get away from it, and he just kind of keeps moving it. It's constantly there and that God continually pursues. And this is the covenant thing of God is that God's not going to relinquish it. That there are moments where I want to relinquish the relationship. I want to relinquish some things that he's asking me to do. I want to walk away from them. But God won't relinquish. And so that there's moments where there's things that God, I even turn my back and that God's taking care of some things that I don't even realize that's happening. And he's fighting for me and defending me and I don't even realize it. And God's doing some stuff because as his child, he's going to constantly be taken care of. Even in those moments where I'm not wanting to be even involved or even part of the relationship as I should be. He's taken care of. Live today intentionally. Freedom is not having the power to do what we want, but the power, the Holy Spirit, courage to do what we ought. This morning, I'm just going to challenge you to accept responsibility for who you are, where you're at. If you want something different in 2019, then begin to pursue it. Some of you, have, we've talked over the past few months or even the past year, and you're saying, hey, Pastor Chris, I want a little bit more. I want, I'm struggling in some areas, and, and I suggest, hey, have you gone to counseling? No, haven't done that yet. Well, go try it. Can't hurt. Go to Get in a life group. Get in some, find some relationships. Because here's the deal. I, if Jesus could only handle 12, I'm not any better than Jesus. And we look around, there's more than 12. 
You need relationships. You need friendships. Get in a group and begin to do some life with people. Begin to be challenged by and grow in some of these areas and accept responsibility for where you're at and where you want to be at the end of 2019. Let's pray together. As we're praying, just imagine it's just you. Just kind of draw a circle around you. And this is you saying, I'm accepting responsibility for where I'm at right now today. And that as you take inventory of where you're at with your your physical fitness, your relational fitness, how are your friendships, and where you're at spiritually, where you're at with your walk with Christ. Father, we admit to you this morning that we are we're ne- we're never arrived. We're never going to arrive. We're never going to be perfect and you don't expect us to be perfect. But you want us to accept responsibility for where we're at and where you want us to go. And Father, we're running a race that we don't even qualify for. But you've put us in there. You've given us a number and you've put us in the race. And that, Father, that there are times that that there are obstacles before us. Where we perceive that there's obstacles before us because we're looking a day or a week or two weeks ahead. And we begin to worry about whether you're going to be God enough or you're going to care enough to remove those obstacles or you're going to make us jump over them or go through them or go around them and you're just telling us just run the race so Father I pray that we would just focus on one step at a time that we would reach with as much power and as much strength as we can muster through the power of the Holy Spirit to take the longest stride we can take. Father, to know that the end, that the medals, the rewards, the prizes we will bask in them we will rejoice in them we will cheer for them but they're not even our medals they're yours the rewards for you and the father that there are people in the stands cheering us on applauding that the roar of the crowd are those that have gone before us that have run the race And then know that you have 
completed the race for us. So, Father, that those that are in the crowd that are cheering and that the roar of the crowd are those that are they're applauding what you're doing in us as we just run the race. You are the victor. We're not. You are. You're the one that will see, receive the praise and the glory and the honor. You're the one that will be placed on the victor's stand. Father, you've just asked us to run on your behalf so that we can experience what it means to feel and to know the pleasure of God the Father. Now, Father, there are times that we want to just sit on the bench or we want to be on the inside of stuff and not run the race because it looks too hard. Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to get off the bench and to get off the injured table or to get off the excuse table or whatever we're doing not running to just run to just run to do what we ought to do even when we don't want to and to see you be brought glory and honor and fame may you be lifted up through us running in your son's name that we pray.